I'm sure I listen to those songs a little differently than everybody else since we're working on this. I've been thinking about it all week. I look for things in there to agree with what the Bible says and things that don't and new things. And about halfway through that one song, I was really digging it. It's at the place where we'll never grow old. And then it hit me. What if you've already grown old? I don't know if you get to back up any or not. That's, that's one thing we don't know about. Uh, there is a theory about that. Some people, uh, I didn't even know about it until I got, we got a question on Know Your Bible. Some people take that verse that says, uh, we'll see Jesus and we'll be as He is. And they say since He was about 33 when He died, that everybody in heaven will look 33. Which is as good a theory as any, I guess. Uh, but it's sure a theory. It's not, not in the book. All right, we have spent a number of weeks on the end times and the afterlife. And tonight we're going to try to summarize that, wrap it up, and move on to uh, our third topic for the year. This topic took up quite a bit of time. What we really studied was the eschatology is the big word for it. Uh, deals with the end of time, the things that happen at the end of history. And we started with prophecy and then talked about the millennium some, then went through uh, all of the end times topics that we could uh, think of and covered each one of them in in some detail. Uh, Tonight, let me give you a couple of warnings. First of all, I'm not going to talk about the millennium. Uh, That was really just to help us understand what some people believe about it. Uh, way too much attention, I think, is paid to that and exactly what will happen at the end of time. Uh, comparatively, very few people uh, in the history of the world will get to see the end time. Uh, just the people that are alive when Jesus comes again. Uh, so we spend way too much time worrying about exactly how that's all going to work out. Uh, secondly... If you look very closely, you'll notice there's absolutely no Scripture in this uh, summary tonight. Uh, I thought about trying to take time to put out at the side of every statement, Scriptures that back it up and all that, but I decided you've got 14 pages of that. Uh, You can go back and look at it. Uh, This is the 15th and 16th pages of our study, Uh, so you get... A whole bunch of scriptures and backup. And if you see something in here that you think, where in the world did he dream that up? Uh, that probably means that you weren't paying attention that night when we talked about it. Uh, because we tried to back everything up with scripture. And that doesn't mean what I've got here is right. Uh, in fact, we stress that I think every week uh, that we covered this. This is my best understanding. This is what I believe. This is what I think is going to happen. But the understanding before all that is, and I even wrote it out here to start with, is that everything we know about the end times, everything we know about the afterlife, everything we know about heaven or hell, is come to us by the way of prophecy. And none of it is presented any other way except somebody having a vision or prophesying, here's what they saw. Prophetic language is difficult. And that's why we spent the first week talking about prophecy, so we understand that. Uh, There's lots of ways to take it. 
To be sure, there has to be a pure, sure statement from God somewhere that proves it. And in prophetic language, we don't have that very much. So, all of this is with the understanding that we don't know for sure. Uh, But what I want to present tonight is what I believe, after my study and my best understanding, what I believe is going to happen at death and beyond. And if you've been here for all the weeks, you've already heard all of this, but uh, maybe in summary it will make a little more sense. And I did put it in order. This is what I think is going to happen in the order of time. All right. First of all, we have to deal with the folks who don't live till the second coming. They don't live to the end times. Uh, that is those that will die before the coming of Jesus. And that's a whole bunch of people so far. Uh, I looked at uh, some websites, just people have tried to calculate that. Uh, it's all over the map, but uh, in general, they come in somewhere around 100 billion uh, that have lived on the earth so far. Now, like I said, uh, some of them have some prehistoric times in there and everything else, and you factor all that in or out however you want. And Anyhow, let's just take 100 billion. Uh, if there's 6 billion or so today, and Jesus comes tomorrow, there will only be 6% of all the people that ever lived around when he comes. Uh, the other 94% will have died already. So we're talking about most of the people here uh, that have been and will be and are, uh, perhaps, can't say that because he might come tomorrow. So everybody here would still be alive. But if you die before he comes, here's what I think will happen. Uh, The physical body will be buried, uh, returned to dust, as the Bible calls it, some way. It may happen slowly if you're sealed very carefully in a casket in a vault, a mausoleum and all that. Or it may happen very quickly if you're cremated or uh, die in some accident or something like that. But the body will return to dust eventually. Our soul, however, is eternal. It's not returning to dust. It's returning uh, to where it came from. It's going to survive It's going to enter an intermediate state, is the term I used when we studied that lesson, an intermediate state of existence between the time when we die and the time Jesus comes back. Uh, That intermediate state is in the the spiritual world, if you will. Uh, It's called the realm of the dead. Uh, That reminds me, one more warning I was going to give you is I I didn't include any Greek terms. We're not going to talk about Hades and Sheol and all that tonight. We're just putting it in common uh, language because that's what this whole series is about. People want to know simple answers to things. So somebody asked me, and I wasn't trying to be scholarly or whatever, I'd say our souls are going to go to the realm of the dead. That's what the Bible calls it, where the dead are. Uh, souls will be without bodies. Our bodies in the grave, and we will be bodiless, but our soul will be completely conscious of our condition. 
We'll know what's going on. Uh, we'll be aware of what our condition is as well as the timing of time. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away at that point because of uh, some stories the Bible tells about that. Uh, souls in this intermediate state will also recognize one very big thing. Uh, they'll recognize that there are two separate areas, that they are in one and others are in another. Those two separate areas are the saved and the lost. Okay? Uh, the saved will be with the Lord. He will be there. If you want to call it the current heaven, that's fine with me. Uh, I believe it's his throne room. I believe it's where the angels are, where the spiritual beings are, uh, what we call heaven now, the current heaven. Uh, that's where the saved will be. And they're going to enjoy conditions there that are described as paradise. And that's about all we know about it. It's going to be really good. The lost will be in this realm of the dead, but they'll be in torment. And they'll know it. They'll know that they are in agony. They'll also know that those on the other side are not in agony. They'll also understand some things about what are happening on earth and wish that they could do things over again. That's why I said I think time will be there, because the rich man understood that his brothers hadn't died yet. He had a reckoning of time and wanted to do something about his brothers. So we'll go into that intermediate state, whether we're lost or saved, and be in a paradisical kind of place or a place of torment. Now, that's for the folks that die before Jesus comes again. If we're alive when he comes, here's what's going to happen, I believe. Uh, prior to the second coming, a lot of people study this and want to know what the sign is and how can they tell. And right now, Hagee and some others are looking at the eclipses of the moon and saying, well, it's right around the corner and uh, all kinds of stuff. Now, there's not going to be any sign. There's not going to be any warning that we can point to and say second coming is... This day, that day, next week, whatever. I think there will be signs because Satan is going to be loosed for a short time before Jesus comes back. The spiritual battle is going to intensify. Uh, there's going to be more wickedness, more lying, more falsehood, uh, more persecution for religious people. Uh, and that's going to happen. But that's happened for centuries. Uh, almost every generation can look and say, boy, this is getting bad. It's getting worse. Uh, I personally think it's happening so fast and so quickly uh, that we are closer and closer to the end time. I think Satan has been loosed and is working on the world. Uh, I think there's more wickedness and uh, falsehood and persecution of the righteous than there had ever been, and it's increasing. But 100 years from now, Whoever's alive then may look back and say, well, it wasn't too bad in the 2000s. Uh, these teens are getting tough. Uh, or these 20s are getting bad. Hundreds of years from now, who knows? Um, so there's not going to be a sign. It's going to come. He's going to come like a bolt of lightning, the Bible says. Anybody ever expect a bolt of lightning? I think some people can kind of feel it if it's close enough. Your hair kind of stands up right before it cracks. But it'll take you by surprise now, a bolt of lightning. That's how he's going to come. 
Uh, a thief in the night. Anybody ever expect a thief in the night? I just feel like a thief's coming tonight. No, nobody goes to bed like that. Okay? Well, that's the pictures that the Bible uses. When he comes, nobody's going to expect it. Uh, when he comes, the second coming is going to be completely different from the first coming. And sometimes we don't even talk about the first coming, but I think it's important. And when he came to earth the first time, it was pretty low-key. Manger, shepherds, uh, all of that um, wasn't announced. It was basically unnoticed uh, by the world in general. The second coming is going to be a glorious revelation. All of the words that are used to describe his coming, apocalypsis, perusia, all of those are about a great unveiling, a great announcement, a great showing, a showing off, basically, almost. Uh, an uncovering is what one word means. He is going to be revealed to the world for who he is, Lord of the universe. The Lord himself will descend from the current heaven. He will come toward earth. He'll remain in the clouds. He's not ever going to set foot on earth again. He'll remain in the clouds. And he will do that in a way, some way, that every eye will see him. And I don't know if he's going to do a tour around the globe where everybody gets to see him, or somehow he'll do it some other way where all of everybody's consciousness sees him at once. Uh, I don't know how that'll work. That's up to him. But every eye is going to see him. The scene is going to be one of unbelievable power and glory. Uh, if you can even imagine all the angels of heaven coming behind him in flaming fire. Uh, that's what it's going to be. Uh, and... We can't conceive of that. We don't know how many angels there are, but it says all of them are coming in flaming fire. There's going to be a time period, and I don't know if it's a few seconds or a split second or what, but there's going to be a time period where the wicked will see this and realize what's going on. They're going to have time to hide, to weep, and to mourn. To be sorry for what they've done in this life and what they rejected in the way of Christ. Uh, there's going to be time for them to seek death instead of facing his wrath. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to ask the mountains to fall on them. So they don't have to see any more of what they're seeing. Uh, the Lord himself is going to shout a command. And that command will kill all of the wicked people that are left on the earth. That has been increasing since Satan has been loosed. The wicked have become more powerful and more arrogant in their power. And Jesus is going to shout a command that will kill every last one of them. Besides that shout, we'll hear the voice of the archangel and we'll hear the trumpet of God. I believe that is telling his people that it's time to move to a new place. That's the way it worked with God's old chosen people. When the priest would, the high priest would announce that it was time to move, they would blow the trumpet of the Lord and people would start packing up the tabernacle, packing up their tents and move to a new location. Uh, we're going to leave this location for a new one. 
uh, also with him, beside all the hosts of heaven, he will bring all of the disembodied spirits from the realm of the dead. That disembodied state, they will come with him. So that's the host that's coming toward earth. Now, after all that has happened, the dead will be raised. All of the dead. Everybody in their grave. The righteous, the wicked, uh, anybody that's dead and in the grave or scattered over the earth or wherever they are, their body is going to come back together in a new way. They'll be resurrected, uh, including those dead who have, the wicked who have just been killed by the breath of his mouth. They're not going to be dead very long, uh, but they're going to then be resurrected. Uh, and those resurrected bodies will be united, reunited, with the disembodied spirits that have been in the realm of the dead. He's got them with them. They will join with the resurrected bodies. The resurrection body is going to be as different from this body as a seed is from the eventual fruit. And you can look at some fruit and it's quite a bit different from the seed that was planted. Think watermelon. I don't think that means we'll look that much different. I think it means we'll be different. I think our molecular structure will change. I think something will happen that will prepare us, and this new body will be ready for the new home that it will have. This body was prepared for this earth. We're not going to be on this earth anymore, so we will need a resurrection body fit for where we're going. It's going to be a different kind of flesh, Jesus said. It's going to have a different splendor than this body. And it's going to be perfectly suited for the environment of heaven. I don't know if it'll look like it's 33 years old or not, but it's going to be a resurrection body. Now that the dead have been resurrected and reunited with their disembodied spirits, what we have left is people who are still in their body and haven't died yet. And all of those are righteous. So the righteous living that are still there at the second company, we won't experience death. If he comes right now, none of us will die. Well, none of the righteous will die. Wicked will die. Righteous, you will still be alive. But if he comes right now, we don't have to experience death when he comes, if we're righteous and living on the earth. Uh, but in a twinkling of an eye, our physical bodies will change so they'll be just exactly like everybody else's resurrection body. We'll get the new updated model just in the twinkling of an eye. Our spirit will still be within our body, although it'll be a resurrection body. It'll happen instantaneously. And then those who are alive with our new resurrection body will be caught up, or another word to use is raptured, uh, not the kind of rapture that the Left Behind series talked about, but it is a catching up. We will be caught up to meet the Lord and the entire host of humanity that is up there with him and the angelic host. Uh, if you can wrap your minds around that picture, go ahead. Uh, that's going to be a, a day, the day, the Bible says. After... We are all off the earth. The earth will be now completely void or empty. 
except for Satan and his minions, if any of them are with him. Uh, all human occupants are gone. Dead and alive, saved or unsaved, we're all gone. We're up in the air with Christ. The earth is ready for destruction by fire. Peter tells us exactly how that's going to work. And it will be destroyed with such violence that even the elements are melted. At that point, Satan himself will be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. How many of his uh, minions he has with him, I don't know. I think it will be the original fallen angels, perhaps, that are thrown in then. Uh, but he will be thrown in at that point, and uh, he will remain there tormented for eternity. Now, everybody else is in this great host in a heavenly realm somewhere. Uh, I believe God will then gather us, or perhaps we'll be there already, uh, but he'll gather us into his throne room, and that's going to be the place of judgment. Christ will sit at the judgment seat, and every human being who has ever lived will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every aspect of our lives will be revealed for everybody to hear. Now, I know some of you have been taught differently, uh, but Paul says we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, you're wondering about, oh, hold it now. I've heard that our sins will never be brought up again. That God forgets them. Uh, God doesn't use them against us. He will never condemn us with them. And he will not condemn us with them even in the judgment. But you've got to understand the judgment is not a judgment in the sense of he's determining who's saved and lost. That's settled. That's settled when you die. But when you die, you go to the proper part of the intermediate state. If you're still alive when he comes and you're wicked, you'll die right then. But So that's already settled. The lost and the saved is not what we're talking about at judgment. What judgment is is a recounting of everybody's life. What we've done will be revealed, and we will be praised or condemned because of it in the big picture. Now, included in that is everything. Now, instead of trying to describe that, let me just tell you what the end of the process is going to be like. When we're done with the judgment process... Everybody, there's going to be a formal separation. Everybody's going to know I'm in the saved bunch or I'm in the lost bunch. We're going to be separated. Right hand, left hand. Everybody's going to, everybody's going to be seeing all of this, mind you. If there's a hundred billion, there's a hundred billion. Listening to all the other hundred billion judgments. At the end, we'll be formally separated. At the end, each person will hear proclaimed what their fate is. God is either going to look at Christ is either going to look at you and say, Come, take your inheritance, or depart from me. Everybody will hear that. Also, the justice and grace of God will be totally vindicated. See, we have questions now. 
We wonder, uh, what's he going to do with that person? What about this person? What about that? He seems more evil than that one and all that. When we're done with that, we're going to understand how perfectly just and holy and good and righteous God is. We'll understand it for the first time. Everyone will have witnessed the whole process. And we're going to understand completely that those people are saved, and I know why they're saved. We're going to understand those people are lost, and I know why they're lost. I understand it now. We're going to understand that the lost are lost because of the way they rejected God and were unrepentant and on and on. And we're going to understand that the saved are saved, not because they're good, because we're going to know how much they messed up. But we're going to understand the grace of God for the first time ever. we got a little picture now. We'll get it then. Also, at the end of this judgment process, we will have heard all the reasons that establish the, the existence of degrees of punishment and degrees of reward. It's going to be cleared to us. Among the saved, we're going to understand that some of them lived a life that benefited the kingdom in a great way. And we're going to understand that some of them, although they're saved by the grace of God, they spent their life doing things that were kind of worthless. That didn't help anybody in the kingdom. And we're going to understand that that some deserve a greater reward. And we're going to look at the lost and we're going to understand that on on that side, there are some that lived a lot more evil lives than others. And they deserve a different punishment, a greater punishment. And all that's going to be clear to us. We'll understand it. Also, at the end of the judgment process, when we're separated and all of us have seen this and God's glory has been vindicated, the lost are going to enter hell and the saved will enter heaven. And God will come and make his throne with them, his dwelling place with them for eternity. Now, the nature of heaven. And if you weren't here when I talked about heaven, this may surprise you a little bit because it's not standard church doctrine, uh, but I've come to believe it's true from clear statements that are made in the Bible. Uh, prophecies that are made about the new heavens and the new earth. John's vision specifically mentions the new heavens and the new earth. And that God's original plan was for man to live on an earth that was beautiful and they could enjoy. To say that we're going to live in some spiritual netherworld of clouds and nothing else says that, well, then God got defeated. God's original plan was to have a beautiful place, a physical place where man could live and enjoy the beauties of this place. And Satan messed it up. And so as a backup, we'll live in a spiritual netherworld. And that may happen, I don't know. But I've come to believe because of the prophecies, because John specifically said that after all I've talked about, God then brought down the new heavens and the new earth. I believe he will create either from nothing or from the molten material that he destroyed in the first place a new earth. And there will be new heavens 
associated with it. We know he has to change the heavens somewhat because there will be no sun and moon anymore. Uh, God himself will be the sun and the moon. That will be the light. So the heavens will have to change some. Earth will have to change some, uh, possibly just in size. Instead of six billion, which we think is kind of crowded now, uh, there's going to be many more billion. Uh, I don't have any idea what it will be like. It may be similar to Eden. I think it will be better than Eden, but it might be similar to Eden. Uh, prior, after Eden, after the fall, the earth changed, and then after the flood, the earth really changed. Yeah. God's going to create something for us that is similar to Eden, perhaps, but, but better, I believe. Uh, it's going to be a physical place, prepared especially for our resurrection bodies and our perfectly sanctified souls. Uh, the physical glory that we're told about in heaven, it basically tells us what won't be there. All the things that make earth difficult won't be there. And none of the physical drawbacks to earth will be there, uh, the current earth. The mental glory is also described by what won't be there. There'll be no sorrow. Now, what gives us mental and emotional difficulties here? Things that cause sorrow. Death and disease and, uh, and sin and all of that. None of that will be there. Our, our mental glory that we experience in heaven will be because there's no sorrow. Uh, he's going to wipe bad memories away, I believe. Uh, there's going to be nothing there to cause a tear. Is the kind of mental glory that we'll have. And the spiritual glory is beyond even starting to talk about. Uh, we will see him face to face. That should be enough. That's the spiritual glory that we'll be in. There'll be no sin. There's no distraction from temptation. Uh, we're going to worship in a way that's not possible now. We kind of understand worship. But we're so distracted by everything around us. Uh, we're going to be able to worship in a way that we can't even imagine. We're going to get to fellowship with all of God's saints forever. Uh, we're going to find all of the treasures that we've stored up. We've stored up treasures that we don't know about. We've had effect on people's lives that we don't know what happened to them. And we're going to find all that when we get to heaven. The nature of hell, as we talked about that last week, I believe, uh, all we could do is say that the images that the Bible presents of hell are images of a garbage dump, a place of worms and maggots, a place of fire, a place of darkness, a place of total separation from God. And we said, we don't know if that's literal. And we don't know if it's going to be that kind of physical uh, horrible things, or, or if that's just figurative to describe how bad it is. But whichever, it doesn't matter. Because whichever, it's a place of suffering. We are told that the wicked who are there will be weeping and gnashing their teeth. They're going to be conscious of the agony that they're in. 
whether it's figurative or I mean whether it's literal physical agony or if it's strictly the, the spiritual agony of knowing that they're separated from God. That mental knowledge that you're separated from God for eternity because you chose to be will be enough punishment. Whether there's fire or maggots or anything else bad, that's punishment enough. Uh, since the wicked have a resurrection body, I think physical torment's perfectly reasonable. Uh, Jesus said that, that they would be the wicked will be cast into hell, body and soul. So I'm not ruling out physical uh, punishment or torment. I'm just saying that whichever, I think the mental torment will be the worst. I think that's the best I can summarize our study of eschatology. I realize that I've said a whole lot of things that you can argue with. Uh, I've let a, said a whole lot of things that you could question. I've said a lot of things you can study uh, and still not be sure when you're done studying. But when we're all done talking about this, and I've said a number of times here that all of this really doesn't matter as long as we get the, the, the big picture. I thought about that a little more, and I realized that when we're all done, there's only one answer to any of this. Uh, you can study heaven and decide if you think it's going to be a new heaven or a new earth. You can study anything I talked about here and come up with your own conclusion. But the only answer you need to be sure of is this one. Are you ready to die or to hear the trumpet? One of those is going to happen. You're either going to die before he comes again, or you're going to stay alive until he does come and you'll hear the trumpet. At that point, it's too late. At that point, it's too late to worry about any of this. If you're in the group of the saved, it'll be more glorious than anything I could tell you. And if you're in the group of the lost, it's going to be worse. Are you ready to die? Or hear the trumpet. If you need to come, come. Let's stand and sing.